0: Shirley Bassey there, I am delighted to have performer Dolly Diamond in the studio, welcome to 3CR
1: Well, lovely to be with you Your career is
0: extraordinary, it has been a tough few months for the community with attacks from the
1: far right and turfs uh, what's your Even f- longer really, um, it's just bubbled up a lot more in the last, as you mentioned, few months um, But it's been going on a while now
0: And your performances have been targeted. I know you went interstate. Yes. And uh, it was dreadful.
1: Yes. And, um, you know, there's no real end to it. Well, the end at the moment is no offence. You know, it's easier for those organising them not to organise them. And that's wrong in in every sentence, isn't it? Absolutely.
0: Uh, I've been delighted, though, by the emergence of the Rainbow Community Angels. What a godsend.
1: Yeah, they are amazing. And, you know, um, obviously I'm not alone. Uh, acts like Hawk Hudson and, uh, you know, many, many others all interstate and around Australia, in America, in Britain, all over. And um, yes, there's no end to it. I have no idea what the solution is, Um, but it's getting on my nerves, and that's putting it mildly.
0: You mentioned the UK a few years ago. uh, Dolly started performing over there, and I've got to say... It's been happening, you know, ongoing every every northern summer and it's exceeded everyone's expectations, including yours. You're a huge hit over there.
1: Well, I'm I'm in English originally and uh, that's where I began, you know, doing all of this um, nonsense. And, um, you yeah, know, I love going back to visit and work. I mean, I'm really lucky that I'm able to work over there and in Australia, really. What's happening
0: over there in terms of uh, performers being targeted? Is it the same as here?
1: Yes. it is. Yes, it is. And, um, you know, it's it's a radical mob, an angry mob, you know, with the mantra of, won't somebody please think of the children? You know, we are. And, uh, you know, uh, the answer to it all is don't bring your children to these effects events if you don't want them there, you know, the ones that are there want to be there because a parent or a guardian has brought them along to watch somebody read them a story, you know, this is not difficult.
0: You've done story time quite a bit. Uh, Tell us what the experience is like for you.
1: I mean, I love it. You know, I've always loved children and, you know, I think it's, Really, I mean, you know, if also if I'm brutally honest, it's a business. It's another area where I'm able to work. And that's what this is. This is my business. And uh, if I'm able to do that and look out at these, you know, darling children that are loving all the or the movement or the flamboyance, then why wouldn't I laugh that? I do this um because i well i mean i you know i, I, li- I like the uh I like people laughing I like people clapping i li- I want to be adored. What is wrong with that?
0: Tell us a little bit about the dolly story, like how did Dolly become a performer
1: I mean I've been working all my life and um you know, I think uh, what made um, things for me is I was working in London in the in the 90s and it was, you know, you, you really work your ass off over there in that, you know, you're on at 11 or midnight and you burst out um, with your moving on up or ooh-ah, just a little bit. And um, whether the audience listen or not is up to, you know, depending on whether they like you whether you are commanding whether they're drunk um, and all of the above and so when I moved or worked in Melbourne to begin with I um, loved that I was doing venues where they bought a ticket you know it's this is obviously very easy isn't it that generally if you buy a ticket you want to watch you are willing to listen and that for me was the making of what I was doing you know
0: were you surprised how much the media the mainstream media kind of you know embraced Dolly?
1: no I mean i'm I, I think I think I'm I'm sort of safe in a way you know and uh, I mean I've I, a lot of what I am um, was doing over the years I would look up to artists like Tame Edna this is when um you know many moons ago when Tame Edna was you know, less divisive. Obviously I don't believe in any of the, you know, a lot of the last comments that were made in, in later years. Um but, you know, I I love to mess with an audience. I love to entertain an audience. And um I think I, I like that I was embraced um, mainly by ABC, you know. Um in that they were very welcoming back when it was Virginia Trioli and Michael Rowland on News Breakfast. You know, that was um, wonderful to be asked, you know, to be a regular on that. There must be a
0: lot of pressure being Dolly Diamonds in the community, but also just to keep up appearances.
1: No, I don't, I don't, I don't feel that. I love what I do. I think on the you know, days or weeks or months in your life where you think, oh, my Lord, I've have have had enough. Um, I, you know, I rest. Um, but generally, I love work. And um, I think if you're willing to accept this work and you want to do it, um, then no winching, you know, booked and blessed. So what makes you
0: feel sometimes like you have had enough?
1: I think just, you know, um, I mean, obviously with all the furore of the negative, you know, story time, that was enough. You know, I'm at at my limit on that. Um, But generally I'm all right. I mean, when you walk out and you make people laugh and at the end of what you're doing, they applaud you, that's a pretty good job, isn't it? And um, up till a year ago. I used to drink while I worked, and that was all right. I mean, I was not operating any, you know, really heavy machinery, Or um, but now I don't drink. But uh, then I was enjoying, you know, a pot of wine and singing and laughing. I mean, you know, there's not a lot to, to complain about. I'm not working down, you know, down the mine, am I?
0: That's interesting that you stopped drinking. Like, what brought that on?
1: I would look in my wardrobe and I would look oh what I might weather no Oh am I might weather no and I was just um I was bursting too many sippers and it was annoying me and I knew um I think we all know if we shut our mouths and put a little less in, not in every department, but mainly, you'll lose weight. And I want to lose weight um, in my mid-50s, we'll say. <laughs> That'll do. And uh, it's made all the difference. And I like mornings now.
0: Yeah, right. Uh, so you're on your bike.
1: Yes. Fantastic. You know, I, yes. I mean, and, you know, it's not practical when I'm wearing shoes you know heels or whatever um but other than that i am um, i like being a little fitter and less fat
0: you have a fabulous performance coming up real soon yes. at the Pride Centre. It's called Dolly Diamond's Rather Large Variety Night. Tell us all about it.
1: Well, I wanted to, um, you know, I'm always doing gigs and I always love it when you come watch a night where there's lots of other acts, you know, on. I um, mean, I love emceeing events. And I like the fact that you get a little bit of everything in the one night. And uh, I'm taking this show over to London in July and then the Edinburgh Fringe in August. And I thought, well, I'm not missing out on doing this in Melbourne before I leave. You have a great
0: lineup of guests. Tell us about them. You've got Pepe Smears, for example, and Adam Noviello, who was on the show a few weeks ago. What
1: a voice.
0: Oh incredible voice and what a high energy performer yes
1: I mean he's one of those that I've I've known for a long long while and whenever I'm able I'll always share or like or whatever you you know what you do for artists Um, but I asked him I said I said I'd love to and that was it, you know. Um, tash York is amazing. Um, you know, Adam Malone, Ascadelia, there's a, you know, Olivia Sharalambus. Um, there is a smorgasbord. I mean, these are, for me, in my eyes, obviously, I love them. Um, that's why I booked them. Um, but there's a, it's, you know, I was. Sp- boil for choice. There are so many great acts in Melbourne and this is for me going to be a lovely night out.
0: You have done so many great collaborations with Tash York. Tell us the backstory to how you two got together performing.
1: Well, I watched Tash for a long while and she would work with me and I thought, she's amazing and why wouldn't you want to work with amazing artists? I always think um if you're able to hold your own, um, then work with the be- the best. And um that's what I love about working with Tash, you know.
0: Lots of great cabaret. Tell us about some of the numbers you'll be doing.
1: Well, I've got all new, which is exciting. New. I know. It's a it's a miracle in June. And um, I uh, well, there is one. There is an Oliver number. I've got to open with an Oliver number. It's a little bit camp, everybody. And um, then there is a life number, and then there is um, what else? There is a number from
0: Taboo,
1: the musical.
0: You must have been so busy. I mean, the rehearsing must be quite intense.
1: I I mean, I'm not really a big fan of that either, if I'm honest. Really? No, I like live and I like on, Um, but I'm not on my own, so, you know, you've got to so that every other, you know, everyone in the room knows what's going on. It's all right if I think. Well, we're we'll making you know, we're going to make it all up. Um, but then not everybody knows what the bloody hell you're doing, you know. And um, but yes, we are. We're um, you know, getting together a lot on this. You must have a great
0: grounding. I know you have a great grounding in performance. I mean, you were a child performer. Yes. Does that kind of basis mean that you've got the the prowess and the confidence to be able to do it live with minimal rehearsals?
1: Yes, I mean, for me, yes, but everybody's different, you know. Um, a lot of other artists love that process of, you know, getting in a room and workshopping everything, whereas I'm more improvised and live. Um, but there are benefits, obviously, of knowing, you know, a little bit about what you're doing if everybody else needs to be Be with you, you know
0: But it must make every show different It must make them
1: all kind of, you know, very spontaneous but different Uh, Well, that's why I love that more than a musical You know, you're not allowed to vary a musical Whereas what I do can be different every night
0: And people want to come back repeatedly to see your shows. Is that the secret of your success, that spontaneity? Every Dolly show is slightly different, so people want more and more. Yes,
1: I believe that that would be it because, you know, a lot of these gigs, I've been doing um, Love is in the Air almost as long as John Paul Young. And um, but you've got to, when you're out on that stage, you've got to make it look like you've never done it before, you know. And I know I'm able to do that. I mean, I when you love what you do. I mean, I'm not ridiculous. I don't love it every minute of my life, um, but I really love what I do, and I burst out, and I'm ready to knock it out.
0: That must be what gives you the edge over so many other performers and that must be the secret of your longevity, that spice.
1: Well, I I mean, I'm like Cher I just won't die, you know. I just won't give up. There's always one more night, isn't there? I, You know, maybe I don't know what the secret is. Um, but loving what you do is the secret to any job, isn't it?
0: I mean, Dolly's star power and trajectory just keeps going up. Do you feel like you're kind of at your peak right now?
1: <laughs> no. Um, well, I mean, I'm, I'm all right where I am. You know, that's something that as you, you know, as you get older, you need to be happy where you are. Um, but no, I would like more. I would like continued. Um, but I, I believe happiness is my ultimate goal.
0: Do you get many people wanting you to mentor them?
1: A little, and I've been known to offer uh, even when I've not been asked. And 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 so, is there a bit of pressure
0: associated with that, though? That no. you know, no. So, no. But, I mean, surely, like, lots of people want a bit of Dolly.
1: No, I don't think that many do. You're making it sound like I'm mobbed. <laughs> <laughs> not enough.
0: So, tell us a little bit more about the trip to the UK, especially the uh, the Edinburgh League.
1: Well, I leave um, beginning of July and I'm away for three months. Mainly, um, I'm a, you know, I'm a Melburnian and I love Melbourne, but I do not like winter. And maybe from growing up with it in London. So I run away to Europe and I'll be, you know, traipsing all over doing the variety in London and visiting other, you know, Manchester and other venues. And then, yes, Edinburgh. Um, I did it last year and it is not easy. You know, there's a lot on. Um It's also really, really exciting The room I'm in is heat's 100 And you know, you've no idea here Whether you're going to sell one or 99 tickets
0: And you're going back to Manchester I remember when you were over there last time You had a gig there And you loved it Yes so you're going back? Tell us a bit more about. Oh what's yeah, planned. well they're
1: a really nice audience. I mean, I think you love anywhere where that loves you, really, don't you? You know, um, if an audience, um, you know, loves what you're doing and uh, really enjoys your humour and the way you perform, you're always going to want to go back, back. <laughs>
0: Or your fabulous show, Dolly Diamond's Rather Large Variety Night, is happening at the Victorian Pride Centre in St Kilda from June 22nd to June 24th. Dolly Diamond, thank you for joining us, You're 3CR. Lovely. The
2: French are glad to die for love. They delight in fighting duels, but I prefer a man who lives and gives expensive jewels. A kiss on the hand may be quite continental, but diamonds are a girl's best friend. A kiss may be grand won't pay the rental on your humble flat or help you at the auto map. men grow cold as girls grow old and we all lose our charms in the end but square cut or pear shape these rocks don't lose their shape diamonds are a girl's best friend Cartier Black Star Ross Gorham. Talk to me, Harry Winston. Tell me all about it. There may come a time when a latch needs a lawyer, but diamonds are a girl's best friend. affairs that are strictly platonic but diamonds are a girl's best friend and i think affairs that you must give with sonic are better bets if little pets get big baguettes time rolls on and youth is gone, and you can't straighten up when you bend. But stiff back or stiff knees, you stand straight as and...
0: Marilyn Monroe there, and here's Ella Fitzgerald.
3: Oh, out. do, bit They call it that Jersey bounce, a rhythm that really counts. The
4: temperature
3: always. Whenever they play the crazy rhythm they play, it started on Journal Square, and somebody heard it there. They put it right on the air, and now you hear it everywhere. Uptown gave it some licks. Downtown added some tricks. Now folks, everywhere they know, just where it came from. So if you don't feel so hot, go out to some Jersey spot. And whether you're hip or not, the Jersey bounce will make you swing. Booty dooty, booty dooty, it they be you by
0: And goldfrap their fever. I am joined by Rodney Croom from Just Equal. Rodney, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you back on.
5: Hi, James. Thanks. Thanks for asking me back on.
0: Rodney, it's been twelve months and a bit since the Albanese government was elected. How would you rate their performance on LGBTIQ policy issues?
5: If you're talking about a traditional kind of uh, report card rating, I'd say about a C. Yeah. Uh, The the record hasn't been that good for the first year, certainly not as uh, what many people hoped for. Um, There have been a couple of good initiatives. Uh, We've seen amendments to the Fair Work Act protecting trans and intersex people from discrimination in the workplace. Uh, That was a a big plus. That was great. Um, We've seen some funding commitments, uh, $26 million for... Uh, health, LGBTIQA plus health research. Um, I would have liked to have seen a bit more for frontline services, but still that was a good start. And $3.5 and for international advocacy on LGBTIQA plus issues. Nothing like what other countries give, but still a good start. But then when it comes to the list of the things that they have put off or uh, aren't dealing with at all, that's much longer, unfortunately.
0: They're dragging their heels, while in fact they're just not doing it when it comes to an LGBTIQ commissioner nationally. Why Mm. are they not delivering on that? Seems like a no-brainer.
5: It it does. There's been a lot of uh, advocacy uh, uh, calling for an LGBTIQA plus human rights commissioner. Um, As some of your listeners will be aware, there are commissioners for other disadvantaged groups. Um, There are commissioners uh, for discrimination affecting women and Indigenous people and people with disability and uh, older people and younger people, um, but not for LGBTIQA plus people. In fact, the Human Rights Commission um, hasn't made a single public statement on LGBTIQA plus issues since, from my understanding, since September 2021. So the Human Rights Commission is letting us down and the government is letting us down by not appointing Commissioner specific to our issues, to that commission. Um, the fact that the Human Rights Commission has done so little on LGBTIQA plus issues in recent years uh, really highlights the need for the commission to have a focus, and that focus will obviously be appointing a commissioner. But that's not the only area, James, where Labor, the federal Labor government has let us down. Um, it's, as you said, failed to appoint a commissioner. Um, It's uh, failed to deal with the issue of uh, LGBTIQA plus vilification. There are no national vilification laws and there's been no move to change that. Um, There's been no real moves on the issue of uh, rebates for trans-affirming healthcare. Uh, There's been no move on any national ban on uh, preventing or prohibiting um, unnecessary uh, and damaging uh, medical interventions on people with variations of sex characteristics. There's been no move to try and put in place individual risk assessment for blood donation and drop the existing gay ban. There's been no attempt, really, to stand up publicly for trans people, even though they're constantly being attacked in the media. Um, there has been... Uh, the, the the Albanese government has initiated a consultation on removing the ban... Uh, sorry, removing exemptions that allow discrimination against LGBT. Uh, QA plus people in faith-based schools, Um, but that consultation has been put off and put off and put off. Um, uh, Now it will be reporting uh, at the end of the year, which is really taking far too long. And we're also seeing uh, ongoing consultation on whether to include us in the census, Um, which again, should be a no-brainer. That's something that the Albanese government had a commitment to, we don't understand why it needs to continue to consult on that and the consultation, as with faith-based schools, just goes on and on and on. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of issues that uh, it's not really addressing in the way it should, the no-brainers, it's not dealing with directly, and there are plenty of other issues it's not dealing with at all.
0: It seems like a sea of lost, or not lost, but wasted opportunities. I mean, the first 12 months... Of a government's first term. That's the honeymoon, and this government certainly had that. Uh, it Seems nonsensical that they wouldn't at least move on some of those issues that you outlined to give the community confidence, especially at a time when it is under attack. Uh, I mean, look, you know, the fact that the Human Rights Commission hasn't done enough to respond to these attacks is just a, a welcome mat for establishing an LGBTIQ commissioner nationally. It's been so successful here in Victoria. I'm scratching my head, Rodney, as to why they're not doing it.
5: You're not the only one. Um, you're right. Uh, the government has had a long honeymoon, it's quite popular, um, it's seen as, as doing the right thing in many areas, um, it's got widespread support for its an initiative on uh, Indigenous rights, for instance, um, and yet on LGBTIQA plus issues, uh, it really wants to do the least possible to distinguish itself from the opposition. The best we can say about the Albanese government is it's not the Dutton opposition <laughs> um and but it, but it, but in terms of going further than distinguishing itself from the opposition no it, it 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 wants to act proactively as little as possible um and that makes no sense uh not only from the point of view of this being a uh, honeymoon period but also from the point of view of the result of the last election um just equal australia did a survey of several thousand LGBTIQA plus voters, uh, uh, looking at how they voted in the last election and the, the election before. Um, this was a few months ago. And what that survey found was that one in five LGBTIQA voters switched from voting Labor in the election before last to voting Green at the last election. And they said they did that because of LGBTIQA plus issues, such as Labor's support for the Religious Discrimination Bill, that was put forward by the Morrison government and would have rolled back existing LGBTIQA plus discrimination protections. Um, and for, and for, uh, because the uh, Labor Party didn't stand up sufficiently for trans people and didn't advocate strongly enough. So there's a problem there. Already there's evidence that LGBTIQA plus people are defecting from Labor and voting for the Greens and Independents. If Labor wants to win those votes back, voters back in the next election, it has to do much more than it's doing at the moment. Because like I said, at the moment it's doing the bare minimum to enable it to say, well, we're not done.
0: And you'd think that, you know, boldly making, you know, policy decisions to show that they're not done on LGBTIQ issues would be a a vote winner. It's almost as if, Rodney, um, that that Western Sydney syndrome, which we've talked about so many times, you know, during the Morrison government and the Abbott government uh, and the Turnbull government, it's like that Western Sydney syndrome is still existing in Labor's psyche.
5: Yes. And uh, just to remind your listeners, that What we're talking about there is that um, there's a perception um, in both major parties that uh, there's a disproportionate number of voters who are antagonistic to the LGBTIQ community in Western Sydney and will vote against candidates to support our rights. Um, I don't think that perception is necessarily correct. Um, there are leaders in those communities who may be uh, against our rights. I'm not sure that everyday people in Western Sydney are. Um, but that's the perception. And uh, the feeling is that if, you know, in both major parties, if they want to keep or win votes in Western Sydney, they can't do too much for the quiz. Um, and that has been a problem for for decades. Uh, it really first emerged in the early 2000s when, in order to win seats, In Western Sydney, John Howard put forward the same-sex marriage ban in 2004, uh, and in order to keep seats in Western Sydney, Labor supported that ban. Um, That has been an issue right up until today. Uh, It's an an intractable one, uh, because clearly the the parties convinced themselves that Western Sydney is all that matters on this. Um, It's it really, if there's going to be solutions, that they need to be twofold. There need to be we, there need to be more leaders in Western Sydney to stand up in support of our community, just to, to 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 break that idea, to challenge that idea that Western Sydney is anti-queer. And we need to show Labor and potentially the opposition that if they continue to uh, not support us sufficiently or to oppose us when it comes to human rights, they. Um, uh, they will lose votes in, uh, in, in inner-city electorates. Um, the, uh, the survey I mentioned before from Just Equal showed that the electorates where these people were defected from Labor to the Greens were uh, almost entirely inner-city inner electorates in Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne. Um, if Labor wants to keep or win those seats, it has to do more than it's doing.
0: Does the Prime Minister need to get out and about more within the queer community around the country? Uh, does he need a little bit of like interpersonal education and to, and to interact with the community a bit more?
5: Yeah, absolutely. Where have we seen the Prime Minister interact with the que- queer community this year? We've seen it on that walk across the bridge in, uh, in Sydney during Royal Pride, and it was great. It was great that he was there. Um, but he was surrounded by, uh, you know, leaders in our community. Uh, he wouldn't have had much interaction with everyday LGBTIQA+ plus people, certainly not, with members of our community who are facing the greatest disadvantage. He was there with people who are, were, who were, you know, quite privileged within our community, have a lot of power, have strong voices, um, uh, and would have told him what he wanted to hear. Um, We need him to be talking to young, trans and gender diverse people in regional Australia who are really suffering at the moment because of the anti-trans backlash in this nation. We need to have him talking to um, LGBTIQA plus people who are in poverty because of discrimination in employment and and education, living again in regional and rural Australia, um, who are on the outer and who really need... um, the kinds of health services, uh, queer friendly health services that are lacking. Um, we need him to be talking to intersex Australians who are still um, whose human rights, particularly in healthcare are still not respected except in the ACT. so good on the ACT for doing that in the last couple of days. but across the nation apart from the ACT, where human rights of intersex people in healthcare are not being respected, we need to have him talking to those people directly. so he can hear that everything's not okay that we don't all live in the middle of Sydney and uh, run around waving rainbow flags and talking about how good it is. He needs to be listening to those people in that community who are really suffering and continuing to endure the effects of discrimination and hatred. Um, Then maybe he'd be more willing to look at the issue of vilification laws or Medicare rebates um, or dealing with discrimination by uh, faith-based schools and services uh, and, in particular, appointing... Uh, an LGBTIQA plus Human Rights Commissioner.
0: It all begs the question, Rodney, who's advising him? Is the Prime Minister being poorly advised on LGBTIQ issues?
5: I'm not sure he's getting much advice at all. Um, <laughs> uh, certainly no Human Rights Commissioner to advise him. Um, who would be advising him? I mean, he he would have friends in our community. I understand that he's had long-term gay friends. Um, and... Uh, that he may be talking to them, um, he may be talking to the people at the top of the big organisations in our community, um, who may be asking him for more, I, I don't know, I don't know what they're asking him for, um, there's there's no indication of that, so I, I don't know what advice he's getting. We need, um, as, as, as so, Sally Goldner, who is a prominent trans advocate in, in Melbourne, keeps saying, We need a trans and gender diverse advisory committee for the federal government so that the Prime Minister and other relevant ministers can hear what's happening to that community and what they need Um, and so that we know what's being said so that um, we're not just relying on the Prime Minister's friends or people at the top of particular organisations who might be close to him. We have to know what he's being told so we can be sure that he's hearing the right voices um, and getting the right information. That needs to happen through formal channels. Like I said, an advisory committee. In Tasmania, which has a population of half a million people, uh, the, ta- the state government has five LGBTIQA plus advisory committees. At a federal level, governing a nation of 24 and a half million people, there are none. There isn't a single formal advisory committee at a federal level. That makes no sense to me. Um... If we had those advisory committees for the whole of government and the Prime Minister's department, for health, for education, uh, for community development, um, then we could make sure that the voices that need to be heard would be heard by the people who need to hear them. Well,
0: Rodney, it sounds like we need a federal minister for LGBTIQ issues. If there was someone uh, in Cabinet that was speaking up for our issues, that would be, a, that would be helpful.
5: Yes, it would be. I mean, there may be cabinet ministers who do already. Uh, I don't know. There are certainly. But it's not in their
0: ministers. portfolio specifically, is it?
5: Yeah, no, it's not. Um, before the uh, last election, in fact, in the lead-up to the election before last, uh, Labor had a platform of appointing an equality minister, uh, in the same way as Victoria has an, an equality minister. Um, and some other states have equality spokespeople. I know that in Tasmania we have one in the Labor Caucus. Um, but then Anthony Albanese, when he became Prime Minister after the election before last... Sorry, when he became Leader of the Opposition, abandoned that policy, threw it out the window, and said that um, every minister should should take into account LGBTIQ-plus issues. Well, that's fine. They should, not, uh, in principle, in theory. But... Um, we need a minister in the cabinet focusing on our issues and saying, well, what about... We've left out these people again. Uh, what about um, uh, uh, education issues? What about inclusion in education? Um, what more are we doing when it comes to health care and particularly front frontline services or training for existing mainstream health services in rural and regional areas or whatever it might be? Um, we don't have someone with that constant... Uh, forensic focus on LGBTIQA issues in the Cabinet. Um, and that was, like I said, that was something that Albanese himself threw out the window and really needs that really needs to come back. If you look at the progress that's been made in a state like Victoria, because there's been a commissioner and because there's a quality minister um, and and because there's been strong leadership on LGBTIQ issues from the um, Premier himself... You can see how far Victoria has come. There is no reason why we can't, as a nation, travel that far. The problem is that at the very top, there is just isn't the will. There isn't the will to appoint the commissioner, to appoint the equality minister, uh, to make the funding available to ensure that, uh, that the nation follows the path that a state like Victoria has.
0: Rodney, well, that um, reluctance sounds to me to be like queerphobia. The reluctance to act on those issues, you know, for whatever you know good intentions, it's 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 like you know a fear of engaging on queer issues because you know the, the political sky will fall in. That seems queerphobic to me.
5: Well, I probably wouldn't go so far as to say I think the prime Minister's queerphobic. No, I mean I, I've but the read lack of bi- policy is surely. Well, I've read some biographical material about him, and he clearly has had good gay friends through the years, and um, has supported various gay issues. So I'm not sure that his personal views are the problem. The problem is the government fears the phobias of others, particularly voters, particularly as we said earlier in Western Sydney. Um, that's the problem. that they And they haven't got into that in perspective. They don't understand um, that the majority of Australians, including in Western Sydney, really don't have those strong feelings, and don't oppose our rights, particularly in some of the key areas that we've talked about, because um, the polls again and again and again show that Australians back the kind of reforms that we're, we've been talking about. Um, these, uh, The problem is that there are some leaders, some civic leaders, some religious leaders, particularly in Western Sydney, um, who have convinced the government that if they go down the path, for instance, of... Um, preventing discrimination against LGBTIQ plus people in, in faith based schools or services that there'll be an electoral backlash and that, that we know that won't occur but they've been convinced of that that's the problem that they've uh, they're getting bad advice from people who have a vested interest in opposing our rights and the problem is they're not getting any good advice or not enough good advice from people who can point out that that is a load of nonsense and that Australians back a more inclusive society. Uh, And if if we had a commissioner, if we had a equality minister, uh, and people in those positions, and the the advisory groups I mentioned before of, you know, everyday LGBTIQ people advising government departments and the Prime Minister's department, if we had that, then they'd be hearing the good advice they need to hear. Um, I mentioned before in Tasmania, which has a Liberal government, of course, don't forget that, um, there are five LGBTIQA plus reference groups. In Tasmania, um, the, there isn't an advice, there isn't an equality minister in the Liberal government, and there isn't a commissioner. But the government has funded, uh, uh, increased the funding in the last budget for uh, the LGBTIQA plus community fund. That's money to go to community groups to do the things they need to do. It's um, provided. Uh, funding for Working It Out and Equality Tasmania to do more policy work. Um, it's about to publish... Uh, soon, hopefully soon we'll publish uh, an action plan on LGBTIQA plus issues that will be funded. It's looking at setting up... Um, ..how to set up an LGBTIQ... Uh, ..statewide mental health service. So all these initiatives are happening under a Liberal government in Tasmania. Why? They're happening because the government is, li- is 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 receiving and listening to the advice of the community from all of these different groups. The federal government isn't getting that advice. It's not being told what it needs to do. It's not being told that the that the voices against our rights aren't representative. Um, and that's extremely frustrating because I, you could see how far this nation could move if under a Labor government... Um, the right voices and the right information got through.
0: Well, you, you mentioned quite a list before earlier in the interview about all the policy initiatives in the LGBTIQ space the federal government should act on. Where do they start to move forward? Like if they were to, to move on something tomorrow, what would it be? What should it be?
5: Well, like I said, there were, there were a couple of things they're consulting, consulting on and um, one of them is uh, whether we're included in the census. Uh, to use that term again, that is a no-brainer. That They should just say yes to that because they're already committed to that in their party platform, uh, or they were. Um, face based schools is another one. Uh, there's been a real change in at a state level in several states on this issue, um, and they should stop putting off and off that consultation that they're doing on that or that the Australian Law Reform Commission is doing, and instead uh, they should bring that forward, uh, get the result of that, which I hope would be positive, and then just say, yes, we're going to do this. Do that as soon as possible. And that should not only include schools, but it should include faith-based services as well. If, you work, uh, if you're if you an LGBTIQA person who works in a faith-based school or, or a student at a school or you uh, work in a, in a charity or a hospital, that's faith-based or you're a client of one of those, you're protected in Tasmania and Victoria and the ACT and Queensland, and sorry, um, the Northern Territory. Uh, there's, it's really a no-brainer that you should have the same protection nationally. So those kinds of things which uh, are being endlessly consulted on, those consultations should be brought to a close and the government should act. Um, I mentioned vilification. That's a key issue for the government to act on. Uh, It was very disappointing to see that the Labor Party actually took out its commitment to LGBTIQ vilification provisions from its national platform that that was released a couple of weeks ago. It's had that commitment for years and it suddenly dropped. Well, that's not good enough. That needs to go back in. That's something they can act on straight away. Um, I've also mentioned um, standing up for trans people there have been so many occasions where the Prime Minister could have stood there and said, I stand shoulder to shoulder with trans Australians. It's enough of this hate, enough of these cancelled events, (laughs) enough of of, um, trans people being told they don't belong. Um, There's so many occasions that he could have just stood there and said something positive that would have really um, changed the debate and... uh, and give a sense of encouragement to so many, particularly young trans and gender diverse people. Um, That's so easy to do. If I was his advisor, I'd say that's the first thing you need to do. (laughs) Go out there, do that now. Um, I've got a particular interest in the issue of uh, blood donation, so obviously I'd like to see the Government Act on that as well. Um, The... uh, The situation at the moment is Australia is falling further and further behind other countries. Um, Britain, Canada, France, Germany, Israel, Greece, and now the US, and a whole host of other countries no longer ban gay men from giving blood. They just uh, uh, assess every individual donor for their individual risk. Um, It's a rational policy, it's working in other countries, it would work here just as well. Uh, it's absurd that it's taking so long. I'd really like to see Mark Butler, the health minister, just say, OK, let's do it the same way they do it in Canada. Because, I mean, Australia and Canada, what's the difference? The out- HIV uh, profiles are the same. Um, demographically, uh, if it works in Canada, it's going to work in Australia.
0: Rodney Krim, always great to get your insights on 3CR. Thanks for joining us this afternoon.
5: Thanks for having me on, James. Always
0: great. Cheers.